Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B4 Podcast. My name is Brad Williams, and I am the lead pastor here at B4 Church. And hey, everyone. My name is Alex Lessler, and I am also one of the pastors here at B4 Church. Now, today is a really important and exciting day for us because we are debuting our very first episode of our midweek podcast. Yeah, and there's people that have asked and said, well, why are, why are we doing a podcast? What's the purpose behind this? Alex, you want to address that? Yeah, I just think it's really uh, an interesting time that we live in and a time that an interesting time that we have lived in, that there is such a high value on information right now. I mean, shoot, information and the consumption of information itself has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, there's information everywhere. And one of the things we've noticed is uh, we have a lot of information, but not a lot of solutions. And it seems like there's a gap between people's ability to take information and apply it in practical, reasonable ways. Yeah, and, and the biblical word for that would be wisdom. Right. Wisdom is taking information uh, and actually applying it to your life in a way that makes sense, the way that it was intended to be applied. Right. And so we decided that this would be an important space for us to create, where we could take all of the information out there, synthesize it in a way, and then have a dialogue about how does this actually look like, what does this actually look like and apply in our life. Yeah. And so we've already said th this is going to cover a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about a lot of different things over the months and years to come. Uh, and so that's really what this is about. How do we take wisdom and apply it to our lives in lots of different categories. Yeah, And so we had to start someplace. And as we were thinking about like, where would be a good place to start, Brad, one of the things that came to my mind was actually how you started here with us at the church. Can you share a little bit about our first or some of our initial staff meetings and how you shaped those? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, over the years, one of the most important principles for me as a leader um, and, and just even relationally with people that are around me is um, to practice a, a principle that I call trust versus suspicion. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think, you know, I showed a video, one right. of our first staff meetings that I was here, and it was by Andy Stanley, great mm -hmm. leader, great pastor down in the South. Mm -hmm. And it was called Mind the Gap. And it was talking about uh, how we fill the gap in expectations with people. Because uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, whether it's in an organization or in a relationship, we have times when expectations don't get met. Right. And we have a choice of what to fill that that gap with. We can fill right. it with trust or we can fill it with suspicion. So it's a really important thing for yeah. me personally. And so I really wanted it to be sort of a foundational moment for us as a team as we yeah. move forward. And you and I were having this really interesting dialogue just the other day about some of your experience in other um, cities and states around our country about how some people um, in a different geography may gravitate more towards trust or suspicion. I would love to hear Yeah, yeah, that's. That. I mean, there's probably a whole other podcast for this one, right. but uh, just recently I was talking to somebody. We were talking about Montana. I had gone fishing in Montana, and this guy had gone to school there, and he asked me, and we, we dove into this topic of, have you noticed that people in Montana tend to trust first and be suspicious second. That's so interesting. Yeah. And we got talking about it. We said, yeah, both of our experience, that's what it was. And and then we were talking about, you know, more of the traditional Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington. And we said, yeah, there's a lot of suspicion here. People tend to be suspect first and mm -hmm. then they trust second. You have to earn trust. And, uh, and so we were talking about hardship and how maybe it's the hard winters, maybe it's just, you know, what you're doing, there's something, there's a, there's a mutual respect that if you're out in the wilderness in Montana, there's a mutual respect that you have for one another. 
And, uh, and then that linked to something else really crazy. And we got talking about New York because we used to live in New York City. And, uh, and I've noticed that there's a trust in New York City that is very unique, that people, New Yorkers trust each other. And they're there to help, which I... This is, my, this is category breaking for me because I've always thought, and I've been born and raised and grown up in the Pacific Northwest my whole life, that New Yorkers are the rudest people on the planet. Yeah, no, they're actually the most helpful people and the, the, the most willing people to just jump in and give you a hand, no matter who you are, where you are. Um, they can be a little blunt sometimes, but they are incredibly helpful and also very trusting. There's a kind of a mutuality. Like if you live in the city and you're grinding this out with me, then you've got to be okay. And so you lead with, well, you're one of us. Wow. And I think that's an important part of this whole principle as we right. dig a little deeper into it. Well, and, and as I was thinking about that, in and of itself, I was thinking about how um, I'm a I'm a millennial, right? Yeah. And so, um, somewhat is true of millennials, or some what some people say is true is that we have a general suspicion to um, organizations, governments, entities. But what's really interesting when I looked at this principle, um, I find myself casting more suspicion to non-personal forces. Yeah. Right. But when I meet people like one on one, like you. I'm instantly trusting of you, but if you were an organization, I almost feel like I would be instantly mistrust yeah. um, and suspicious of your behavior. And I just think it's interesting because there's so many different factors yeah. that go into why we choose trust or suspicion when our experience doesn't line up to... Right. Well, you know, inevitably, even if you trust me to begin with, eventually right. I'm going to let you down. Eventually I'm going to do something, say something, Never. or not do something, or not say something. And at some point, there's going to be an expectation you had of me right. that isn't going to get met. And you're going to have to make a choice even then. Like, hey, maybe I used to trust him, but now what's this all about? What's right. this behavior? And that's really what this principle of minding the gap or this idea of trust versus suspicion, that's what it's really all about. So, so let's dive into this a little bit, because as you said, it's not only applicable in how you run an organization, but this is really applicable to how you parent or your relationship with your spouse or your friends. Um, there's so many different ways you can apply this. And so before we get into all of those, I think it's, it's important for us to frame the conversation really well. Um, I would like to know if you could speak to this, what does the whole gap between expectation and experience look like? Well, you know, there's some, there's some really simple things. You know, there's instant ones that happen all the time, but then there's some very simple things mm -hmm. that, um, you know, somebody says they're going to do something and they don't do it. Very basic thing. Or somebody says, I'm going to meet you at this time and they don't show up at that time. Now, those are very basic things. Sure. But if that happens as a, as a pattern, if you and I are you know, meeting for lunch a couple times a month and you're consistently late, that's a pattern. So pretty soon I right. realize there's this gap. This is who he is. So I start to make a decision. When I'm sitting there looking at my watch and wondering, okay, where is Alex right now? Or when, when you've said, hey, I'm going to take care of this thing for you and I'm still waiting for this project to be completed. Right. Or in a relationship, this happens in homes, it happens with parents and kids, all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. I'm left in a spot during that gap to make a decision about why you aren't doing what I thought you were going to do. Or even, why are you not doing what you said you were going to do? Sure. I have to start to draw conclusions. My neurology forces me to say, well, why is this happening right now? Right, right. So let's play out one of those examples, because I think it would be super interesting, because um, if there is not a track record, like something happens that's abnormal, like I show up late to a meeting, 
Yeah. Yeah, I have to make a decision of, okay, why are you, yeah. why are you late to this? In fact, um, there's an interesting principle in psychology called fundamental attribution error, okay. which explains why we do this. We have a tendency mm -hmm. to give ourselves benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but we don't extend that to others. So for example, right. if I show up late to a meeting, well, maybe the reason I'm late to a meeting is because I was having a conversation with one of my children as I was leaving the house, and I had to make the split-second decision of, I need to be a good dad right now, and right. so I'm going to be late to this meeting, but... The real reason I'm late is because I had to have this conversation with my with my child. Right. Now, on the other side of that, you're late to the meeting, and I say, well, you can't prioritize. You don't know how to use your alarm sure. clock. If you need to have a conversation with your kid, you need to probably do that hours before. Why are you waiting until you're walking out the door to do that? And so right. there's this suspicion of you have a character flaw where, for me, I was just being a good dad. Right, right. Yeah. And we generally do give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And I think... Another way that that is applied in our life and it's super interesting is how we view the world around us right now. Yeah. Because we do the same thing. We see something happening out in the world and we go, how dare they do you fill in the blank? Right. right? Well, yeah. And But I would never do... Exactly. That very thing. Exactly. And yet we do that very thing. Right. The, the, the best example of that, you know, you're driving down the road and uh, <laughs> oh, something rolls off the seat of your car, you know, and you lean down to get it. We've all done this. Right. And you swerve. You swerve. Right. And when you look up, you know, the first thing you do is you go, sorry, you know, and you make the right. little smile and you wave at the car next to you. But then you go down a mile further and somebody does the same thing to you and you're calling them an idiot. They don't know how to right. drive. You know, you're, right. there's this thing that happens. And that happens on this macro level all the time. We look into the world and we go, how could those people do that? And then we think of ourselves and give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. I've never done that before, but now that you said that, I'll make sure that I never do it again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm joking. I actually, one of my biggest issues driving, um, which is not a problem when I'm by myself. It's only a problem when my family is in the car because right. they let me know that I have a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the important thing for us is that we're actually filling the gap with trust, yeah. which from a biblical standpoint is a really critical thing. It's sure. really important that we actually look at other people, uh, bearing the image of God, knowing that mm -hmm. these are people that God created, God loves them. And for us to fundamentally move to a place where I say, I'm going to start by always trusting people. I'm going to start by loving people, by giving people the benefit of the doubt when an expectation isn't met. Okay. So I get that. And at the same time, a response could be, well, that could put you in a position to be taken advantage of. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I hear somebody say those sorts of things, first of all, you know, most of the situations we're talking about aren't really those types of scenarios. Okay. But even if we are taken advantage of, I think someplace Jesus might have said that we turn the other cheek, that we love our enemies, that we bless those who curse us. So our posture as believers is always right. to take the position of, I'm willing to put myself out there for the sake of others, and I might get burned. But right. that's my responsibility as a disciple of Jesus. So for me, this principle of choosing to trust people comes back to the character that's supposed to be a part of a person who follows Jesus's life. And so that's that's why this is really important to me. It's a very practical way for us to live out the teaching of Jesus. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I, I think ultimately our life and discipleship to Jesus leads us to a point of self-sacrifice at some level. And if we're going to choose to love to the point of trust... And, and and moving towards trust before suspicion, there's a reality that we might have something to sacrifice at the end of all of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, the, the one of the things that's so important is that people understand that trust is really the basis of all good relationships. Sure. Uh, if you don't have trust, you don't have anything. But that trust gets built. We have to extend trust in order for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So when we lead with suspicion, we're actually leading with uh, a, a decision to say, I'm going to let this relationship begin on shaky ground. 
So whether it's a marriage, whether it's with kids, whether it's in an organization, it's so important for us to say, no, trust is important enough that I'm going to start there and lead with that because that ultimately is the foundation on which everything else gets so built. So then what is the danger of not leading with trust? Well, the danger with not leading <laughs> with trust, you, you end up with a skeptical organization. You'll end up with a skeptical marriage. You end up with kids that don't trust their parents and parents that don't trust their kids. And anyone that's ever been in that environment, uh, if you're on a team and the coach doesn't trust the players, if, you know, whatever, whatever part of life you find yourself in where there's a suspicious underlying tone, then that is a neurotic organization. That's a neurotic relationship. You're constantly on edge. There's no, there's no freedom. You, you, you ultimately can't be vulnerable. You can't be yourself. You can't be honest. I mean, it really begins to undermine anything because now I can't come to you and say, Hey man, I I was late, but there's this thing going on in my life. Well, if I don't trust you because you're always suspicious, I'm just going to hide from you. Hiding, we go back biblically, hiding is really what we see in Genesis, you know, yeah. the fall. One of our first responses is to hide, and hiding is one of the most broken things that we can do. Right. So the more trust we build, the more vulnerable we can be, right. and that vulnerability leads to authenticity. Yeah, and connected to the hiding is the blaming, because right. that's the very next thing that happens to Adam and Eve, is not only do they hide from God, but they start blaming one another, um, or a force out there that's pressed against them. And uh, none of that sets up a healthy or is an example of a healthy relationship at any level. Right, right. So it's always leading with trust. I I think that's the critical thing. And we have to make a cognitive decision to do that. It doesn't come naturally. We have to actually stop and say, okay, no, what was really going on? And for me to to write scenarios in my head that actually explain where this is or to think about where somebody's at. You know, this week, uh, I got an email from somebody this last week that... Um, you know, it wasn't the worst email I've ever received, but it also wasn't the most encouraging. Didn't make the Hall of Fame. No, but at the same time, as I read it, I just thought about that person and the life they're living right now. And I don't know them very well, but I just thought, okay, I know what their circumstances are like right now. I know what our world circumstances are like. I know that a lot of people have pent up tension and aggression, and there's displaced emotions that are being placed in other places. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told myself that story, and I reread the email and said, let me reread this, but from the tone of, they're just frustrated and in an uncomfortable place right now. And when I replied to that email, I just had that posture and that position mm-hmm. and everything turned out really great. Everything's wonderful with it. But I had to make the decision to say, can I get in their shoes and think about their life? Right. What has it been like for you to grow in this particular area in your own life? And don't just share the good things. Share with me some of the hard hard points as well. Oh, you know, I mean, I think the reason I've learned this is because of the hard stuff. <laughs> sure, I, mean, I think yeah. it's because um, I, I will jump to the wrong conclusion. I, I I'll, This is a kind of an interesting story, but I remember years ago, because let me just back up and say this. Ultimately, one of the keys in becoming a person who fills the gap with trust is also telling yourself, this isn't about me. (laughs) Um, So we take so many things personally, or we Mm -hmm. think that people are thinking about us, that it's about us. And so, again, one of the primary principles of being a disciple of Jesus is realizing it's not about you. Um, so, so for years I would have this, this struggle and there was one particular day I had somebody that I was working with very closely and I walked into, uh, our workroom kind of copy room and I could just tell there was like a look on her face and I could just tell her affect was flat. Things weren't mm-hmm. good. And my first thought was, what did I do? What did I say? Did I do something to offend her? And I stood there and I thought, what a self-centered Right. thought that, that she just walked in and, and I think that I'm the one that's ruined her day, whatever's going on. And so I was getting a little defensive and kind of distancing myself from her when I finally just realized I need to ask her. And so I just said, Hey, what's going on? And as I asked the question, I had an idea because I thought about her life. I thought about mm-hmm. what she was dealing with. And she began to explain some things that were going on with her son. And immediately I just felt this conviction of, wow, I had a moment where I thought, 
she's upset with me when the reality was she was just hurting because of some stuff that happened before she drove into that work that day. had nothing to do with you. Nothing to do yeah. with me. So some of the lessons I've learned about this came through those moments where I caught myself and thought, this isn't about you. Um, I've done that with my kids. You know, I had to, had to tell myself the same story. I, again, with kids, it's less... Um, this is the, the lesson I've learned as a parent, and that's that my kids didn't do whatever they did or not do whatever they didn't do um, as a an attack on me personally. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, that's not a reflection of my character as much as I'd like to think it is. Sure. Um, and so we take things with our kids very personally. So sometimes it's just stopping and saying, they didn't do this to, to spite me. They're not doing this to make me angry. This isn't about me. This was just about them and their own humanity and brokenness doing their thing. So sure. it's always coming back to that. So for me, it's a, it's a decision to stop in that moment. When I've sensed my emotions getting defensive, um, when I see that uh, I'm starting to cast judgment or, or tell a narrative about somebody, that's when I'm stopping and asking some of those questions. Oh, man, that's so important. I loved how you phrased that, that when that staff person came into the room and they were having a hard time you instantly thought it was um, about you. Right. And, and that's what we all do, right, right? right? We take these things incredibly personal and how you had to almost remind yourself that not everything is about you. Yeah. Not everything is about me and not everything is about, you know, our own experience in those moments. These people have their own journey. They have their own life and things are happening. And if we took time to recognize and understand that, I often think, which is a skill in and of itself, I often think that the escalation of this issue, moving into suspicion, would stop right there. Because yeah. we would just move into a place of trusting the best um, in each individual. Ironically, you know, the most complicated place to live this out, and yet at the same time, probably the most beneficial is within the context of marriage. Um, <laughs> you know, the longer you've been married, the more you have a predetermined idea of why somebody did something that they did or why they mm -hmm. said something that they said. And so over the years, you know, Sherry and I have had this conversation a lot where even if she did something, and even if it was the wrong thing that she did, or I did something, it was the wrong thing that I did, it's stopping and saying, I think you have my best interests at heart. Hmm. Um, so I don't like being told what to do. I don't think anybody does, but <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. And there's times when Sherry has these gentle reminders, you know, she'll say, you know, back when the girls were little, hey, thanks for picking up the kids at 3.05 today. <laughs> and uh, I always knew when at, at 2.05 when she sent that, that was just saying, hey, don't forget. Right. And I used to get so frustrated, like, you don't need to remind me, don't tell me what, to, you know, it was all of those mm -hmm. little things that come up. And sure. then I find myself just, okay, wait a second. That is her gentle, beautiful, loving way of just saying, I don't want you to forget. And she wants the best for me. She doesn't want me to be the dad that doesn't pick up his kids at school. So always going back and saying, you know what, whatever she said, whatever she did, uh, her intentions were the best. She, she wanted the best. Doesn't always work out the best. What I do for her or say to her isn't always the best. Mm -hmm. But to go back and say at the root of my heart, I'm for you as a person and you're for me. Super critical in the marriage relationship. That's so good, man. We um, are going to get into more details in our next podcast about unhealthy ways of filling the gap. But I think as a way of introduction to the concept and the idea, um, today has been incredibly helpful. Awesome. Well, I'm glad it can be. And I think it's such a huge thing for all of us. You know, if we can apply this right now in our culture, uh, it's a game changer. If we can just take a step back and say, let's see that people are made in the image of God. Let's choose to trust first. And then let's, when those, when those moments come up, when we have a choice to make about filling the gap with suspicion or trust, let's do our best to choose trust in those moments. That's great. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, it's been really good. Alex, thank you for yeah. initiating this. Yeah, and uh, we look forward to doing this more in the days ahead. Yeah, we'll see everybody soon. 
Well, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.